0: This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Welcome to episode 269 and happy spring
1: 2021. For many of us, spring signals the beginning of the flying season. Today we'll be discussing how you can better prepare for a safe and fun 2021 flying season Uh, before we begin though a quick shout out to our sponsor plainenglishsim.com that's that app-based aviation radio simulator and it's a really easy way to gain radio proficiency both vfr and ifr you know one thing that they're doing is they're giving away some free scholarships guides and uh, you can get one for free it's over 120 million in that guide by going to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash free and use their coupon code there Again, thanks again to PlainEnglishSim.com for sponsoring this podcast. Now entering cruise flight. With us today is Tom Frick and Russ Rosleski. Tom and Russ, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk about this topic. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Hi, Carl. So, uh, you know... We were talking offline. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is that in the spring, people come out and they start flying. Some people already have started their spring flying. Some are still waiting to pull either the plane out of of their hangar or to go out and join a club or maybe... Possibly purchase an aircraft. I know some of you listening right now is like, "What is spring?" Especially if you're living where I am right now in in Florida, uh, this may be the time where you start moving to a different part of the country. So we'll talk a little bit about that, getting ready for spring flying, because it may entail moving to a different location. But first of all, welcome to spring, and I'm I'm really excited because. I'm a couple things have been happening i've been flying a lot a little bit of ga uh, but a whole bunch with the airlines uh, things are coming back with a roar and that's uh, that's why it's been tough to get out more we, if you notice we were putting once one out a week we're back to our first and the, the 15th. Uh, And lots of folks are back flying, both on the airline side and the GEA side. But we're talking about general aviation this year. Uh, And so what I'd like to do, before we start talking about how to prepare yourself for 2021, I'd like to hear from our co-hosts here about about their year so far. I know mine has changed. Uh, The spring is so different than it was back in January, both from a general aviation standpoint and also from my other day job as an airline pilot. Uh, but Russ and and Tom. Well, Russ, I'll start with you. What uh, give us a little feel for what it's like uh, where you're in your market. You're in uh, in Oklahoma and uh, Oklahoma City area flight instructing and flying.
2: Yeah, it's it's been a great spring. Finally, uh, we had I mean, like most of the the whole center of the country, we had a couple of real cold weeks in uh, in February, and you know we're all waiting for it to get down where it was you know zero degrees and those kind of temperatures and snow and ice and everything else even down into texas they held all the freezing and all that kind of stuff but it's finally warming up and you know the sun was coming out and you know the flowers are blooming all that kind of stuff so that just kind of gets everybody in the mood to get outside and do something and i tell you what i've i've been pretty busy (laughs) flying with a lot of folks uh, doing a little bit of refresher training and the kind of stuff that we're going to talk about here in a little bit and it's finally spring and everybody's excited it seems
1: Great, so that's positive news. And what there there's been a difference you've seen then in the past
2: uh, few months. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely increased. But you know, here here in the parts of the country where you know we actually have weather, Carl <laughs> and Tom, um, you know that that is a pretty regular thing every year. You know, we all kind of go into hibernation a little bit during the winter, and and then we have some nice days, and the airports are just packed.
1: Well, That's good to hear. You know, you're talking about Tom. He lives up in the north compared to me in in the panhandle area and and it is a little bit colder there they get snow once every what 10 years or so so uh you know what it's like to be in cold weather don't you tom
3: Uh, um yeah it's still it's all relative you know i mean it's still florida cold so it's not that bad um I always, always say there's a freeze line that goes from Crystal River to Daytona Beach. If you live south of that, you're generally not going to get anything that's too cold. I'm a little north of that, and, and we experience a little bit of chill every now and then, but nothing nothing like I was experiencing on some of the trips I've been on this year. Um, some of those storms and, and what Russ was living through were just brutal, you know, and I, I, I that's why I live here because I, I don't think I can handle that stuff day after day after day. <laughs>
1: That's for sure. How about your market? How are things with you? I just I, you know because I really want to kind of bring to fruition some of the color as to how things are going in the aviation world from your job uh, flying and also from the flight instructing perspective.
3: Yeah, so I mean, my my day job, and, you know, the corporate flying was you know really really slow for a very long time, and then uh, it started picking back up again, and then you know it's it's kind of spitting and sputtering. You know, the world is starting to move again, so. Um, you know, we're, we're getting out and about a little bit more often. So that's that's a nice uptick there to see that change. Um, the flight instructing, too, it, it kind of sat still for a while. You know, people just kind of looking like, mm, do I want to get that close to somebody in an airplane? And, you know, little by little, that's starting to come back as well. And, and, you know, I've noticed more and more, and my phone's ringing a little bit more. Like, hey, can we get our flight review here? Hey, I'm working on this rating. I'd like your help here. You know, so a lot more of that going on, and, and it's good to see that coming back again.
1: Well, I'm glad and I really wanted to start off the show painting a, a really positive picture as far as aviation is concerned. So I think we've done that. Let's go on to the actual main topic of how to prepare yourself for the 2021 flying season. Again, if you're already out there flying, uh, you know, you've already somewhat prepared, but maybe there's some other things you can do uh, to kick it off. Uh, there's some things that, that I have as far as suggestions and so do the other instructors here. So let's talk first about one of the things that I think is a great idea if you're going to start your season and you can do this as many times as you want and that's maybe go get a flight review. Uh, look at the possibility of, of going and grabbing an instructor and say, hey, listen, you know, it'd be a lot of fun if we could do a flight review, go over all the things that I haven't done, maybe airspace, find out, you know, what it is that your student might want to do ask them uh the client say hey listen you know i'm going to go flying in the mountains uh if you have experience with that then yeah tell them a little bit about mountain flying maybe if you don't then get them in touch with somebody who's going to do that type of flying maybe it's a a change of venue uh in your flight review if you if you tell or your client tells you your your student says hey listen you know i think i'm going to go up north and start doing some flying and uh, you know you haven't flown much in weather and remember even in the spring they get some icing you might want to, you know, kind of get, you know, together with them and just say, hey, it's it's really important to, you know, go out there and get used to that type of environment. Uh, I'll give you a great example. I mean, I'm I'm guilty. I I messed up when I was trying to pull a plane out of the hangar last time I was up north. I'm scraping and scraping and scraping, all the guys that have lots of experience are sitting there watching me. They just wait for the sun to come up and melt all the all the stuff off the airplane, and I was like, "Oh, great! I worked so hard." And that's where that experience comes in—that's for sure. Uh, but it's it's a wonderful thing. Um, but as far as other, you know, as far as flight reviews, I think it, it's really important to to try to get involved, maybe even in with, with some other programs, even, uh, you know, like a, a WINGS program, et cetera. I mean, I do a flight review, obviously, once a year at least, and sometimes I like to do more. I get involved uh, the, with the WINGS program doing that. As a matter of fact, not to steal his thunder, uh, you know, Tom, I think offline we were talking about the whole FA WINGS program, so fa FASafety.gov. Did you want to talk a little bit about that, maybe introduce people and tell them how maybe they can get their flight review maybe without even doing a, what's called a formal flight review?
3: Sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you can go on and um, use the WINGS program and you can complete the ground portion of your flight review through the WINGS program. Um, you can literally go on there and you take a few courses and get all that stuff, and you can sh- show up with a, a piece of paper saying that you've done that with your flight instructor, and uh, they can, you, you will just have to do the satisfy the flight portion of it and uh, they will actually even um, provide you with the maneuvers and everything that you need to do I mean they'll literally spell out the flight for you what what you need to take care of and you out with an instructor and do them to you know ACS standards and and you're good to go with your flight review it's a it's a great way to get around having to do do a flight review and you know avoid that hour of ground time sitting with a with an instructor you know if if that's what you choose to do and and it's always really good information you know the the wings program is um, you know, bar none, the the best way to get good, up-to-date information.
1: Yeah, it sure is. Uh, you know, uh, Russ, as far as the flight review is concerned, uh, what do you do with your clients when they come to you for a flight review?
2: Well, one of the main things is, and in fact, I just did a flight review with uh, one of my former students yesterday. And, yeah, you know, with her, I did the same thing I do with everybody else to say, look, this is yeah, there are some things I'm going to want to see, you know, as far as safety and maneuvers and that kind of stuff. But I also want you to come with an idea of what do you want to work on? What do you, um, you know, haven't you done in a while? And, uh, you know, tell me, Hey, I've never landed with a tailwind. You know, what is it like to land with, you know, five knots of tailwind or 10 knots or something, something that's safe or, you know, Hey, I really need crosswind landing practice or, or may, you know, I've never, I don't know, flown an ILS blindfolded, you know, whatever, whatever you might want to do that maybe you saw, you know, a video about some maneuver and you want to try it or some technique or something like that. Uh, You know, it's, you know, I, I can't possibly know and cover everything. So I would want you to come with an idea of what kind of stuff you'd like to work on in addition to what I'm going to do. I do also, uh, I agree with Tom absolutely about the Wings program being great for, for just, you know, keeping people in the game. You know, we're talking spring, and maybe people haven't flown all winter or whatever. And just keeping your head in the game with the Wings program is a great idea. I I think the Wings program is actually kind of, it's poorly sold by a lot of people because it's kind of sold as, hey, if you do the Wings program, you don't have to do a flight review. Well, that's true, but it's not designed to be, hey, my flight review is due tomorrow, you know. (laughs) Let, Let me let me hurry up and do the wings program. I mean, that's not the idea. The idea is you've been working on things throughout the year and eventually you just get enough credits to, Hey, there's a flight review. Um, and that's really, I think, and I think both of you would agree that what we want to see is recurring ongoing training, not just once every two years show up and fly for an hour. And if you can accomplish that through a kind of a structured environment like the wings program, that's, that's fantastic.
1: Well, absolutely, Russ. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I've been doing the WINGS program for years as a safety rep. And one of the things that I think people don't realize is that there's work involved. And when they do realize that, they're like, oh, why could you just done a flight review? Well, that's not the point. Russ made the point. You know, you're really going beyond that. You're really going beyond the flight review when you get involved with the safety program. Great, great stuff out there. You're going to learn so much it's helped me at my airline job. I mean, I've learned stuff online. It's it's absolutely terrific. Uh so fa safety.gov. By the way, we're going to have a link in the show notes so you can actually find that there. Um, another thing that adds to that is and it's also within fa safety.gov and kind of it segues to this is the webinars uh because a lot of those webinars uh seminars online pre-recorded seminars whatever you want to call them they're available uh through many different you know commercial outfits Uh, you know m0a king schools uh, there's uh, lots of folks out there that are doing them some are paid for some are free and they also count towards credit for the fasafety.gov those things keep you engaged they also help you i think get back in the game i mean A good example is when I got back into actually flying VFR again. Uh, I actually went out and tried to do as many webinars about charts and flying VFR and, you know, what's that airspace out there? What do all those symbols mean? That type of thing. Uh, Getting back into that whole world of GA again. It's exciting. Uh, It really is exciting to hear from different people. And, And the neat thing about that is a lot of times I find that sometimes I don't click with somebody's explanation but I find something online, some kind of webinar, where actually it does help me, and it really helps me click with that information, and, and it finally gets through to me. That, that's for sure. Um, and there's also in-person seminars, which we haven't had a lot of, but I think people are getting used to this, uh, the the webinars now, but I can't wait to go back to some of those those in-person uh, seminars, too. And some of those seminars, by the way, uh, one comment is they're actually live, uh, and they stream them online. It's a wonderful way to, to find more information out there uh, and along with that the webinars I, I like to include one more thing and that's YouTube because remember there's a YouTube live uh, there's a lot of things that have been pre-recorded on YouTube some seminar I have webinars or seminars excuse me that I've done for the FA safety program go back many years people are still watching them uh, it's it's good information some things never get old uh, and it really does help to get out there and and just just see it look at it as much as you can uh, and it really gets me excited when I get on YouTube because what happens is when I look up a subject Like they suggest all this other stuff and then they it, it kind of makes me go down this rabbit hole So somehow I found myself looking up something about class bravo airspace and wound up looking at that epic aircraft That really fast airplane uh, and wind up just watching all sorts of videos on that Yeah, I was wondering, as far as uh, kind of tying into the YouTube and the webinar thing, uh, if, you know, Russ, I'll ask you first, uh, is there anything that you like suggest to your students uh, from the webinar or the online, the YouTube presence, uh, any different websites that you suggest to your students?
2: Well, the AOPA Air Safety Foundation actually has a lot of great, um, great videos on that kind of stuff. I mean, the ones that are targeted towards VFR pilots or IFR pilots, you know, or accident reports or just you know, uh, technique type things. Uh, I've referred quite a few people to to tho- to that site over the years. Yeah, the uh, the AOPA, um, but of course, I mean, you couldn't even you couldn't even start listing uh, good channels on YouTube. There's so many of them. <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely I mean it 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 just is so amazing how you can find stuff and and the neat thing about that I love about YouTube is that it actually it's a search engine so if you want to find something out about an airplane uh, and you're trying to figure out the steering mechanism on a 1962 PA-28 and you want to see how it works you can actually you find it very easily I mean it's it's really just a search away and it's that simple uh, so I'm a big fan of YouTube. Obviously, we have some videos out there on YouTube, and and, it's, and what happens is that two things. You learn something, and then you find something fun to watch, and, and then it goes from there. Uh, and then somehow you can get down this rabbit hole and spend your whole night watching YouTube. It's, it's kind of kooky. I think that's what this pandemic has done to me. It's maybe this huge YouTube fan just going down these holes of, of, you know, what things about aviation can I find out and, and can I learn? Uh, Tom, I wanted you to to weigh in on this as far as the webinars and the YouTube. Uh, are there any type of channels that you actually focus on uh, with your clients as far as things that they can find out more from?
3: Not beyond what you've mentioned. I mean, you, you've all mentioned some really good ones that I use very frequently myself as well. You know, I mean, I, um, M0A has a lot of really good stuff online. You can find it on YouTube easy enough. And and. Um, lots of good, good, um, content there, um, that AOPA safety foundation, I too, I send a lot of people to that stuff. And I, I use that one just for my, uh, my latest, uh, flight instructor re- refresher course. I use the AOPA version of that. And, and, you know, that's all based in the, uh, safety foundation. It's, it's awesome. You know, there's all sorts of great videos and good information there. And, and, you know, like you were saying, Carl, just taking time and just going down rabbit holes, looking for imp- information and find out. And then you, 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 you kind of sit there scratching your head every now and then going, huh, I don't know if I even thought of that. And, and, you know, and it's like you, you you pick up information, you pick up all these little nuggets that, you know, eventually it it comes in handy and you're like, like, Oh, I I know what the answer to that is. So yeah, there's, there's lots of good stuff out there. Um, I would put the caveat in there, you know, be careful. There is also some misinformation out there. So, you know, you might want to, things that are important or that are going to be, um, you know, a, a safety factor, um, I would reconfirm them over and over again with other sources of information up to and including, you know, ask your flight instructor, say, hey, you know, I, I found this out. Is that correct? You know, and, and make sure that uh, you're not just using information that you find out on the webs, um, you know, uh, as uh, the the pure gospel truth.
1: Wow, Tom, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, And and I was gonna forget about that, but you really do have to kind of measure the comments and some things are very subjective uh, So you have to realize that Uh, and one thing to add to that Tom is the comments on Some of the videos. It's it's amazing some of the things that people will say and those comments and I've had this happen with my students is they'll come back and ask me questions based on certain comments that people made on not just YouTube, but Facebook, all these different groups that are absolutely, I mean, false. And you're sitting there like, wow, where'd you get this information? And I realize it's not the video itself, it's, or the, you know, the article, it's actually the comments after the video, where people just kind of devolve. And it can devolve, obviously, into the other discussions and that, Just shouldn't be involved there in that whole video. We are learning something, Uh, so that that is some great great advice. Tom is really go out there and and verify you know the information that you're getting from people. I think what happens is we start to, and that's why I watch certain channels on YouTube, we start to trust certain people and, and realize that what they're doing is, you know, giving us good information as best they can. But remember, everybody's human, and it may not be on purpose. They may make a mistake and, uh, and have to reiterate it or, or kind of take the video down and redo that. Uh, I know I've done that once. I put a video up, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's not what I meant to say. And, uh, and I kind of had to take that down and, and redo the whole video uh so great great uh thing to do is just verify everything you know and uh I know there there's some of our favorite youtubers out there uh but you really want to kind of verify that also another thing I like to do um i don't know if you guys do this is i'll go and watch a video and kind of critique what they're doing from a standpoint of what would I do and what would I do better uh while they're flying because there's so many videos out there of people flying and uh and it's great uh that they can do that. And just say, hey, listen, I, I would have made this radio call differently or I would have done this approach differently. Uh, and you catch things. And, and that's terrific because it, then you learn from that. And, and then you can have that discussion with your instructor. Say, hey, can we go over this YouTube video and, uh, and talk a little bit about what this guy did here with his radio call? And what does that mean? And uh, why, are they, why are they doing this and why are they setting their inbound course to this instead of something else? So I think that's, that's also really important to do. The other thing too, and I know we've gone over a lot of these different things as far as getting yourself ready for the flying season. Uh, another great way to get started and get ready for the next season is, and this is something that I think a lot of people do: get your next rating or or something. Get uh, go out and get an endorsement. You know, start something new uh, with this spring. You know, and and get yourself back involved with an aviation because a lot of us, uh, I know, I do this a lot of times. Is that we feel like we have to have a purpose in going out to the airport, and whatever it is we do, we have to make sure it adds to our own ratings, and we try to justify paying the money uh, for that. But to for the flying, I personally, I love just going out and seeing sunsets. But if I can bring somebody along with me that actually needs to build time, I feel like that's that much better. I'm I'm helping somebody. I'm helping say a flight instructor build more time out there uh and you know moving forward in their career which i think is really cool i'd love to hear you know some some of your thoughts on that russ especially is that you know do you find um you know because you're very involved in so many things do you find that you have that predisposition or your students maybe maybe that when they go out to the airport they have to do something and move forward in their ratings and uh or can you actually back them up and say hey listen you know let's just enjoy this flight
2: well, getting a new rating is definitely a, a big motivator. I mean, it was, it was for me, I think most of my ratings I got, uh, you know, I, I, didn't intend to ever be a career pilot or a flight instructor as it turns out, but most of the ratings I ended up getting were because I wanted to do something, you know, just like you mentioned, you know, you, you know, flying is expensive and if you, sometimes you don't have a reason and the things kind of stagnate, so you make your own reason. And if getting that instrument rating, or that, uh, complex endorsement or commercial rating or multi-engine or whatever. If that motivates you to get out there and fly and study and learn more and then, then it gets exciting because it's, it's all new again. It's, it's something new and interesting that you haven't been doing. It's not, you know, flying to the same, uh, airport for that, uh, you know, breakfast buffet. Although after 2020, I think we all would like to resume flying to <laughs> breakfast buffets, but, but, uh, <laughs> But uh, you know it's not the same thing over and over again, something new and exciting. and and I try to to bring that definitely to my students. And I've had quite a few recently that that have been doing exactly that. you know they've they're uh, the reached a point where they're looking for something new to do, and whether it's career minded or just you know personal you know, improvement, continual self-improvement kind of thing. Uh, either way it's, it's great cause it, it gets you out there. You learn more about flying and aviation and every little bit you can learn makes you a better pilots. So, uh, and why not do that as the temperatures are going up and the days are getting longer and everybody's just, you know, happy, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, they sure are happy, especially with the days being longer longer and us getting back in the airplane. You know, Tom, I'm wondering if you, you could add to that. And we're, we're kind of talking about the situation where you have a, a friend, a, you know, a, a student, a client that is saying, you know, gosh, I, I don't know what to do. I've, I've, you know, what should I do next? I, I need to kind of fulfill a, a, a goal. Uh, I can't just go out to the airport and fly back and forth and get that $100 hamburger. How do you, how do you kind of deal with that, uh, uh, Tom?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the idea, like Russ stated it pretty good about, you know, getting a new rating and it did, it motivated me for a very long time as well. You know, I'm um, just always seeking to uh, better myself, you know, and always constantly learning. But I I kind of looked at this, uh, uh, you know, from a different perspective as well as like, not so much as starting your next rating, but how about improving the one that you already have? You know, and, and what I do is, is I suggest that people go out and and, you know, kind of like, become your own flight instructor for a flight or two, you know, and go out and practice those things that you learned to, to achieve the rating that you currently have, you know, that, 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 um, constant improvement and trying to, um, make yourself better is, is kind of what this is all about too. I mean, yes, a new rating does that. And yes, it does provide that motivation, but you know, um, I'll, I'll go out and literally, um, You know, I'll look up the ACS for a particular rating that I have and go, okay, what are the standards that I'm being held to as a pilot for this particular rating? And how do I go out and and make sure that I can still do those things? You know, it doesn't have to be an entire, you know, self-imposed check ride for, for, um, you know, the whole day, but I might take different elements of it. Like, you know, can I still do a steep turn and, and, and maintain all of the criteria for that steep turn for the rating that I hold? You know, can I still do slow flight? Can I still do, you know my stalls, the series of stalls and, and whatever it is, you know, for my commercial stuff, can I still do a chandelle? Can I still do a good lazy eight, you know, and, and, and I'll go out and practice those maneuvers because they were important when I was first learning how to fly and learning how to control that airplane. And then as I started just flying back and forth to different places, like to the buffet and to that, for that hundred dollar hamburger, you know, maybe some of those skills deteriorated a little bit, you know, and, and I say that from a standpoint of an instructor who also does a lot of flight reviews with people that show up that didn't haven't done a steep turn or a power off stall since the last time that I saw them two years ago. You know, and and they you can it's obvious they didn't spend any time going out and practice or maybe they went out for like, you know, a couple of flights right before their flight review just to kind of like brush up a little bit so they wouldn't be, you know, completely brand new at it. So uh, along with getting a new rating, how about working on the one that you already have and and, and that's a part of that as well. That's
1: great advice, Tom. You know, improve the rating you have, improve the pilot you are. I think that's that's the, the what we should be doing in general. But it's spring, so let's bring it into action by doing that. Uh, some awesome advice, Tom. I really appreciate that. You know, along with that, Tom is uh, and and you probably since you do a lot of flight instructing, you might see this and i i didn't i don't have this as much because most of the people i i work with are brand new pilots so they just were training but know your limits and what do i mean by that um in when you get back into the spring of flying and you haven't flown in a while you remember the pilot that you were uh, six months ago but now you're the pilot that you are now that hasn't flown in six months and that's that should be your you should have limits and one of the best ways to set your limits is maybe bring someone along with you and say, hey, could you just watch me? Uh, a great idea is to go with an instructor and, and start setting those limits. Like, hey, maybe uh, I think I'm the best pilot in the world on landing and I don't need to practice him, but maybe if you got with an instructor, they might say to you, hey, listen, you know what? Maybe you should kind of kind of get yourself back in the swing of things and uh, and maybe do, do some landings with me. The one thing that I do, and I'd love to hear from you guys about this, is I have a database in my, you know, as far as the students I've flown with and I keep in touch with them. If I haven't heard from them in three to six months, I'll say, Hey, how you doing? And sometimes I'll hear from them saying, Hey, listen, I really want to go out and fly, but, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about doing some landings and I'll grab and say, Hey, uh, let's, let's go out and do this like, like some crosswinds or something. Uh, so I was wondering, do you, do you guys do something like that? So Russ, I mean, would you, do you do that with your clients? Do you kind of keep in touch with them?
2: Well, of course, that's I I think that's just a matter of uh, good business practice. You know, that's not flight instruction specific. I mean, yeah, your, your lawn care guy wants to keep in touch with you year to year, right? Too. So, um, but yeah, I, I do. And, and I'll, you know, I'll ask them, you know, anything you want want to work on or it's been a while or how's it going? That kind of thing. I mean, the, I mentioned, did a flight review yesterday and, um, what she mostly wanted to work on was her landings and, you know, in you know windy conditions and well yesterday we ended up having a little more wind than we than we thought initially it was gusting up to 30 knots which is you know uh sunday in oklahoma sometimes but yeah you know, it was it was pretty bumpy and uh, uh you know but we were able to work it out and she definitely got some you know experience kind of pushing her her limits a little bit i guess and uh you know maybe making her a little more comfortable knowing that hey she she could do it. Actually, she did real well, The things were good. But, um, you know, just, just making yourself a little bit more comfortable in, in some environments and knowing, Hey, I can do this. You know, I, I, I I don't need to, I don't need to be particularly worried. I just need to make sure I'm safe. Um, but it, it all ties into, you know, knowing your own limits and increasing them and setting them and maybe, uh, you know, working on modifying your personal minimums.
1: You know, one of the things you mentioned, and that'd be on the the advice to instructors, I think a lot of people don't realize that it is good practice to just, you know, keep in touch with your students, Um, become friends with them on Facebook, whatever way you can. And uh, just say hi every so often, and you never know what might come from it. Uh, so it, it really—that's something that I think sometimes we overlook uh, every so often. Uh, so uh, that's some great advice, though. I really, really, really like that idea. As far as just keeping in touch and and being—that's part of a business. Think of it as if you're an instructor. Uh, that's actually a keep income coming into your into your pocket, but it's also not just that. It's going to make it a, a safer world out there flying. Uh, as far as like setting these minimums tom i was wondering you know with your clients that haven't flown in a while and they come to you um what do you what do you do with them and how do you you know dance around this delicate topic of how good am i and what kind of limits should i have
3: um well you know russ used the term personal minimums you know it's it's um it's the perfect way to you know what were your personal minimums the last time you flew what are they today you know, and, and can you, can you tell me what your personal minimums are, you know, and how did you set those? What are the criteria for setting those? You know, um, you know, me, I have personal minimums. Um, it really depends on the aircraft that I'm flying, um, how often I've flown it. So, you know, my, I have personal minimums for VFR flight, for IFR flight, and, you know, how much time I have in each of these aircraft, you know, I mean, it's been, I don't know, a few months since I've, since I've flown a Cirrus, my, my personal minimums, you know, kind of went, um, up a little bit, you know, so that, uh, you know, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go flying into minimums the way that I would a few months ago. So it just, it, uh, um, it it's the same question for me all the time, you know, it's for, for going down through personal minimums you know it's like i i set them and put them in the context of that you know i will not fly if and it, it's you know i will not fly if my the winds are greater than blank i will not fly if the ceilings lower than blank i will not fly if the icing level is lower than blank i will not fly if the visibility is less than blank and and those are the you know i, I fill in those blanks for my personal minimums based on the airplane that i'm going to fly and and that's how I start figuring out my limits. So with your question about how do I figure that out with my students or somebody that's coming to fly with me, you know, I start asking them those questions. How did they set them? How did they get to that, that information? And are they the same that they were, you know? And what are they gonna do to get them back um, strong again? You know, to where their their minimums start going, going back down again where they can um, fly in worse conditions for lack of a better term.
1: Right. And that makes sense that, you know, that was, that's some great advice because one of the things that we sometimes should do is just write down these personal minimums and say to yourself, this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. And, uh, and go from there. Uh, you know, it's, it's easier for us that that fly professionally because it's already written down. But when we get into an airplane, that's not you know, we're not used to, our minimums may be I'm not flying without an instructor, you know, and I do that. I mean, if I'm in a new airplane, I want to go with somebody, and it doesn't have to be an instructor. It could be somebody who knows that airplane really well and say to myself, hey, he's he's on the airport. He knows that aircraft. I want to fly with him or her and have them show me that aircraft. So that's my personal minimums there. Uh, But really good stuff. Know your limits. Set some personal minimums. Uh, When spring comes around, grab an instructor and start flying. There's another set of people. And I wanted to talk about and it's prevalent in not just the, the southern states here, it's in the northern states, is the snowbirds. I call them snowbird pilots. And these are the pilots that either uh, only fly in warmer weather and they head to the south to go flying, or they stay up north and they fly, like we're talking about, in the spring when we can pull the airplane out of the hangar. But as far as snowbird pilots, one of the things that I, I always tell people when you're preparing for the 2021 flying season there's many different types of snowbird pilots if you're the person that owns an airplane say a 182 and it's hangar down in Key West And you haven't been down there, but you gave the keys to an instructor and said hey fly this airplane for one hour every week uh, Now you're back down there. You need to go through these things uh, You're you're actually basically like a renter pilot. You have to set your minimums uh, Get back in the airplane that type of thing But if you're one of those snowbird pilots that uh, I define as someone who brings their plane south and actually flies and then goes back up north. You have a whole other set of things that you have to think about. If you're and specifically in Florida, uh, and this happens in other places in the country, if you're heading back up north in the spring, it's time to think about airspace. And there's this there's this big area around Washington D.C that uh, there's a special flight rules in there that you have to be cognizant of and, and actually get some training on. And you might want to think about that. You might want to think about your journey. So sit down with an instructor or possibly call your instructor back up north and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm thinking about heading back up north. I haven't done this in a while. Can Maybe, you, maybe I'll airline you down and we will fly with me. Maybe you can go over it over the phone. There's some seminars at safety.gov that'll teach you all those things so we we have a lot of snowbird pilots especially in florida uh, texas has them too and, and you know you have them in arizona and california and those people uh that are the snowbird pilots you know hats off to you because you've uh, you've got the wonderful life of of kind of living where you want to live but also be very careful as far as uh, you know jumping back in the airplane or adding a new destination to your airplane by moving back up north. It's been a while since you've flown up north. Uh, it's been a while since you've flown in the uh, airspace. Maybe something's changed. So it's time to get out those charts. It's time to really review those things. Uh, what? It's interesting. I, I'm curious about Russ. If you have uh, – I know you're in Oklahoma. Do you actually uh, – Interact with any of these? I know we do, obviously, in, the, in Florida. But the, the snowbirds out there that that maybe take the trek down to Florida and, and start flying, or vice versa.
2: No, actually, I no. <laughs> I That's no interesting experience with that. I guess this is not very common snowbird territory. I suppose I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess, and
1: people kind of, and that happens. There are areas where people just kind of fly through, and they don't, uh, you know, they're not moving back and forth. And I see this. Uh, in areas like in the New York area, I found this, where there's people that actually will, will head down south and then come back north again. Uh, but that's quite interesting. That's great feedback, though, because I was, I was always kind of curious about that if you had a big contingency of, of snowbirds, which, which we do. I mean, in, in, depending on the area, you can have that, which is kind of interesting. Um, and, you know, Tom, I didn't ask you. Do you, do you have a, a group of people that you fly with during certain seasons that come down? I mean, we have them obviously here. But uh, how about you? Do you have those type of students?
3: Yeah. And, and I did, I had, had students that were coming down from the Northeast and I had a couple of Canadian students and they would, they would come down and fly because they could in the wintertime. Actually I had a couple of international students at one point that, that as well came over from different countries and you know, their, their weather is a lot different. You know, it's a uh, you know, the, the the beginning of the um, podcast, uh, Russ joked about our weather, and I know he gets some pretty uh, pretty intense thunderstorms in the summertime, and that's where we get it. You know, our summertime storms are, are probably worse than our wintertime ones. So, you know, there, it, it's it's things are tough all over, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. And, and you know, it's just learning how to fly in the area that you're going to be in and being comfortable with that.
1: Yeah, good advice. So let, let's move on to, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, getting ready for the 2021 spring flying season. And we're excited, by the way, about all the other things that are happening. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about is get out to an air show because you can learn so much at air shows, and they're also really cool. Uh, and, uh, and for us, come visit us at the next air show, April 13th through the 18th. That's Sun and Fun, flysnf.org. You can find out more about that there. Uh, and we all, most of us will be there. And please come by and say hi to us. At the radio station there uh but moving on to what's new in 2021 there's certain things that are new if you're one of those people just getting back into flying again for this season uh one thing that's really different and i struggle with this honestly is the mask issue like i don't know what the rules are because i fly to so many different states i fly to a lot of different countries i don't know what the rules are so i have to actually every time i go to a different state I need, and even different counties, I have to brief myself on the masks, and what I'm finding for me personally is before I walk in the door of any establishment. I look up and I see what the mask rules are. Obviously, at the, the international airports and all, uh, you have to wear masks. But um, that's a kind of a moving target. So my only way that I do it, and this is going to – it's silly, but I just ask people around me, I mean, what are the rules? If I don't know, if I don't see a sign, uh, if the sign says, you know, masks are required in this business, I put one on. Uh, you know, I, I try to do that. So I, I'm as far as that's concerned – yeah, I I make sure that I ask uh, people around me. But the other challenge is in the cockpit, and in the flight instructing environment, and and what are the kind of the rules there? Since I'm not quite as involved in that, I'd love to hear from from you guys as far as as what is you know what's happening with mass. So Russ, maybe you could touch on this uh, with either your. Private clients, and also uh, maybe that uh, flight school that you work through. Uh, what what has changed, um, and maybe give us kind of some color on what's coming forward in the future.
2: Well, I, I don't pretend to uh, know all the laws of every jurisdiction that that you know we might fly to or anything. But uh, I, what I'm seeing is, you know, I live in Oklahoma, right, and Oklahoma has been very. Um. Liberal in mask policy, I guess, would be a way to, you know, in, in willingness of people to, to wear masks. I mean, you know, in most of the establishments and such, it is, is the law still, but at most, you know, flight schools and such there, there hasn't been a whole lot of mask use, you know, for better or for worse, whatever your opinions on that are, we're not going to get into that. But, uh, I I imagine, you know, here we're going, you know, in 2021, you know, people are starting to get vaccines. You know, a lot of my clients have gotten both of their vaccines already. I've gotten one and I'm waiting on my other, uh, you know, although they, the, uh, well, the CDC and such recommends you still wear a mask after you get your vaccine. I I really have to think, especially in this area that masks are going to be pretty commonly ignored once uh, a lot of people are, are vaccinated just because the, the feeling that, you know, we're, we're, we're safe, whether or not that's accurate or not. Again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. This is not, uh, the doctor podcast or anything, but, um, so I, I expect we'll see even, even less mask usage as, as we go forward uh, for right or wrong. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't work at a flight school, but even the, you know, the people I see around the different flight schools that I, you know, that I'm around and, and see flying, I don't see a whole lot of mask use out here, uh, to be honest. Uh, occasionally, yeah, but, Again, maybe it's just Oklahoma's uh, different kind of attitude or something, I guess. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, Russ. You know, I every time I'm on an overnight, I like to to visit different uh, flight schools and see what they're doing, and and it has really you know varied. Some, uh, let's see, I was in Virginia the other day, and they had uh, one place that had temperature checks. I was in Maryland the other day, and they had to wear masks but no temperature checks. And I was in New Jersey at a flight school, and they had you know the mask rules. So so you don't you have to just find out what's going on locally, and if you're someone that goes on long cross country, is really you know try to pay attention to that. But most importantly, bring the mask with you. Make sure you have everything you need uh, when you're traveling and to different states. And if there's anything special that you need for that state, make sure you do your research. So now uh, I guess one of the points I wanted to make is in 2021, the rules have changed. You have to add something to your pre-flight checklist. And that is going out there and really doing your research on what's going on with masks or what's going on with, with the whole you know virus and all. What What is proper for the state in which you're flying and also the county you're flying into. Uh, Tom, did you want to add anything to that? I mean, is there anything in the flight schools that you work through or your clients that, that you've seen that's either changed or or, uh, or that maybe you could add to this as to what what advice you give us when we're flying and trying to research the different mask issues?
3: Yeah. Um, you know, you covered most of them. I mean, things are constantly changing all the time. It, it's been... It's been uh, just constant change since, you know, this time last year. Um, I've I've seen uh, all of the things you guys have described. Um, I've been, you know, bouncing around the country. And, yes, there's different attitudes all over the place. And, you know, just knowing what you're walking into and going there. Me personally, when, when I go flying with somebody, the thing that's changed for me the most at this point is – you know, the level of the questions that I'm going to ask a person before I get into a cockpit with them. You know, I mean, when I'm in a small plane with somebody, I want to know if they're feeling well today. I want to know how they're, you know, how they're doing. And, you know, I observe, make sure that what they're telling me is the truth. And, you know, I do have no, you know, medical background or anything like that, but, you know, I mean, I, raised a bunch of kids i can tell when somebody's feverish and when they're sick and there's there's definitely signs about that you know and there's it's amazing how now i will look at somebody and go you know what i don't think i want to be sitting next to you for the next hour and a half why don't we just call it a day you know and and so those that's kind of the different things for me is just being um that much more vigilant about what i'm doing with myself and how i keep myself and and trying to adhere to all the rules that are out there as best as i possibly can
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Tom. And uh, so it's constantly changing, and it is a good idea to to ask your the person you're flying with, hey, how are you feeling today? That type of thing, because they may not even notice they're feeling bad either, and say, hey, I notice you're sweating a lot. You okay? You know what's going on? It may not be that they're sick; they're just nervous about the flight or flying with you. Who knows? Um, Another thing that in 2021 that has really changed, and I think is going to change going forward. Right now, there's all sorts of instructors available, Uh, and it's you see it at the flight schools. are trying to get in as instructors and they're having uh not much luck but i tell you what things are going to change i know this isn't a careers podcast but they this actually affects the flight instructor pool tremendously i personally um you know the airline i fly for we've been canceling all of our leaves of absence we're flying a whole bunch more and we're kind of short on pilots right now because things have jumped back so quickly this and this summer is the you know the bookings are way up and that's why things are going to change for the instructors because you're starting to hear and the other thing that I do obviously is I do interview preparation. I I had hardly any at all a year ago. Now I'm doing in one day what I used to do in a month just a year ago in interview prep. What does that mean? That means these people are getting interviews, the regionals are hiring. Those flight instructors you're going to you're seeing around, they may be bailing. So one of the things to think about is You know, the instructor that you're choosing may be gone. It may, this is an opportunity right now, we're talking right now, uh, and this is in March but that could change in the future. So things are changing. Uh, there's tons of instructors out there you can grab and, and fly with, uh, but that's gonna be something that's gonna change in the future for the positive. And I'm actually really excited about that uh, to see how things are are moving forward. People are wanting to fly, and, uh, and that is gonna affect you uh, from the instructor perspective. Uh, the one thing is, uh, you know, we're talking, a bunch of us here have a lot of years of flying and experience as instructors, Uh, Maybe find someone like us that's going to be hanging around for a while uh the challenges though uh if they are working for a corporation for uh airline they may be called in to fly more to cover flights that aren't being covered because the airlines uh have been short people because they've let a lot of people go, they've let a lot of people retire and uh they have to get them back through the training cycle. So a little color on that I wanted to give you what's what's new in 2021 in this this flying season. What I want to do though to close out is talk a little bit to the flight instructors uh, you know some of the things that you should do in the 2021 flying season and help people spring into this life of flying again is most importantly be very open and non-judgmental and when you're flying with somebody and they haven't flown in 6 months and they land and it's a horrible landing uh the worst thing you can do is say that's the worst landing i've ever seen uh you, you just say hey let's let's try it again you know don't try not to squash their ego because here they're nervous and they realize what they did Uh, they may be screwing up everything in their flight but just let them know that you're going to help them get through this and you're going to help them get back to the pilot they were six months ago and and be patient with them and that's something that your words are so important at this point uh, when you bring somebody back on as, as a student starting the new season. I don't know if uh, Russ or Tom, if you wanted to comment on that, Russ. Uh, you, know, have you, you know, when you bring somebody back on from, from the year, I mean, do you actually have to kind of internally say to yourself, okay, this person hasn't flown in a while. I want to make sure I'm careful.
2: Well, especially now, because you know there's a lot of people who really didn't fly a whole lot in 2020 at all. So it may have been, you know, you said six months. It might have been a year since somebody's really flown at all. And yeah, those skills rust. But you know, that's the job of the flight instructor, right, to help work to knock the rust off those skills. And and I would say any any flight instructor that's you know that is being judgmental or uh, negative or anything like that probably isn't really going to last very long or have much of a reputation or a negative reputation anyway. But, uh, so yeah, I, I'd say you're right, Carl. I mean, absolutely just, you know, just work with the, work with the client. That's, that's what you're there for. And Hey, it's paying money anyway. Right? So, so <laughs> as, as a flight instructor, that's your job.
1: Yeah. Good point Russ And Tom, how about you? I mean, when you, you get these students that have come back after a while, um, how, what's your introduction say to those folks that are saying, Hey, listen, I haven't flown in six months or a year.
3: Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and actually, I've been truly blessed with a whole bunch of, um, well, quote unquote, rusty pilots, you know, people who have been uh, out of the cockpit for different lengths of time, all the way up to and including I had one gentleman who was 20 years out of the cockpit and we got him back to a flight review again. So starting with somebody over again, no matter what their level is, you know, it's it's um it's getting in the plane. And that's what we do as flight instructors. We get somebody back up to snuff where they where they need to be. You know, um, it, it, everybody learns things differently. Everybody is like, um, when, when they show up and you can tell sometimes, you know, you see the nerves and it's like, it's, it's, it's all good. Come on, let's go fly. You know, that's what my job is, is to keep the flight safe. And then we, you, you let the student, you know, make their mistakes and get to the point where they can be comfortable back in the cockpit again. And that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, it is all about getting people up and flying again. Well, this has been some great discussion we've had here. Uh, if you get a chance, go to com. Look at the different resources we talked about in the links. Uh, also want to hear from you. What do you think? Uh, what are some of the things you're doing to get ready for the 2021 flying season? And uh, and if you get a chance at uh, Sun and Fun, make sure you stop by if you're going to come to Sun and Fun, uh, 13th of April to the 18th of April, and say hello to us. I'd, really, uh, I'd love to see you all if you see us talking, uh, wait till we're stopped and then maybe hang around and, and just say hi. I mean, there, This one of the cool things on on sun and fun radio live atc.net slash snf you'll be able to hear us all year long because we always have somebody that's volunteering on the deck and that's something that's really important to us so that's what we do for our spring is we get ready for sun and fun and that's what we've been doing for years at the stuck Mike avcast it's really important to us to help out uh it's the one thing that we do that we we go to an air show we don't quite as much have have as much fun we work uh but uh, but it is fun it's a blast getting out there and talking to the folks that's for sure
0: the after landing checklist First,
1: uh shout-out to our sponsor, PlainEnglishSim.com. Remember, that's that app-based aviation radio simulator. It's a great way to gain proficiency both in VFR and AIFR. PlainEnglishSim.com. You can find out more there. They're giving away some scholarships, and we have many different scholarships that you can get for free, scholarship guides, I should say. It's $120 million in that scholarships guide. You might find one that will help you get that new rating in the spring of this year. You can find out more at AviationCaresPodcast.com slash free that's where you can find out how you can get that free coupon from plain english sim and all the other folks out there that are giving away scholarships our picks of the week you know i mentioned it before but this is one thing that i think is really cool uh, LiveATC.net in general, but I want to point you to one thing. It's called LiveATC.net slash SNF. Uh, some of you aren't going to travel to Sun and Fun. I'm hearing back from some of you folks saying, hey, listen, I really can't go. I'm still high risk. Um, I, I wish there was a way I could enjoy that the air show. Well, what we're going to do is two things. Number one, we're going to actually be live on air there from the 13th to 18th. Anytime Sun and Fun's on, you're going to hear one of our co-hosts on the radio. The other thing we're going to do is we're doing field interviews and those interviews are going to put right here on StuckMikeAvcast.com. So that's one of the ways that you can get involved in the air show season like I talked about uh, in, in the spring of 2021. So check it out at liveatcnet slash SNF and that's my pick of the week. So Tom, what's your pick of the
3: week? Yep, I mentioned mine earlier as well. It, it became part of the conversation but I had picked the WINGS program and what I did is the link that I have on there just to explain the the um the wings program to you so if you're not quite sure um go check it out and just look at it there's a video on there where um you know a a gentleman describes the wing pilot proficiency program in 57 seconds so take just one minute and watch that video and 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 check it out and see how it can help you out um it's a it's a great program it really is and uh you know more pilots uh i think should be involved with it and go check it out
1: Awesome, Tom. I appreciate that. The Wings Program is a wonderful thing, and I love it. Just fifty-seven seconds, and you can learn everything you need to know about the Wings Program. Uh, Russ, what is your pick of the week?
2: Well, Carl, if you are interested in the inner workings of air traffic control, like I'm, I'm pretty sure most pilots, uh, you know, would find this pretty interesting. I, I read this book called It's called "Clear for Takeoff: Memoirs of an Air Traffic Controller," and <laughs> this is. All about air traffic control and the, what the guy did in his career. I mean, he he started in the '60s and finally retired for the last time in 2012. He after he retired from the FAA, he became a uh, di- you know different contract you know instructor work and and systems development and that kind of stuff. I mean this this spanned you know like almost 50 years of air traffic control history and you know going from you know non radar uh, you know, procedures all the way up, you know, through to to GPS, of course. Uh, he was a controller in a couple different, uh, approach controls and towers in the, in Miami, in that area. So, uh, just, just very, very interesting to me, very detailed. The the book is 700 pages long or something. So, you know, there's a lot of detail in there. Um, but one thing I I did kind of laugh about, uh, you know, in a lot of autobiographies we have, you know, well, you know, I was, I was born and I remember looking up at the airplanes, you know, and whatever, and all this stuff about the personal life. There's nothing in this book about the guy's personal life. I, I'm not sure if he was married or had kids or anything. It is entirely about his work in air traffic control, uh, which I actually found kind of nice because that's what I wanted to read about. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in this kind of stuff I and mean, he even gets into the, the Patco strike, you know, where all the, the, uh, 1981 where the, you know, uh, Uh, controllers went on strike and kind of a a big event of, of the era for him. But, uh, again, yeah. Clear for takeoff memoirs of an air traffic controller by, I look up name, John R. Rusty Potter, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Awesome, thanks,
1: Russ. I appreciate that. Another book, which uh, we love, we love hearing from you about the books. I mean, uh, I've been filling up my library. I cannot keep up with you, though, and uh, it's it's hard to do because <laughs> he, he is quite the person, quite the reader, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, folks, I really, I, I appreciate your listening. And uh, one thing I really want to inspire you to do is get out there and, and start flying this spring in 2021 and every spring you should be doing this getting ready for the new year if you want to find out more about the things we talked about just go to links in the show notes here and don't forget to visit our sponsor PlainEnglishSim.com. but one thing i really want you to do is is i'd love you to to after this is done don't stop there Try try to get out there and do something this spring to go flying. You know, it's all about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly here at the Stuck Mike AvCast. And what we want you to do is take that action to go out and spread the flying love. Learn something online. Go to your airport. Start flying again. But please do something this spring season. We hope to see you over at Sun of uh, April 13th to the 18th. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there.
0: You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast.